Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Dennis Bilder, and you're listening to Sorry Partner. Hello and welcome to Sorry Partner, a podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players, brought to you by bridge partners and friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we talk with Danish champion Dennis Bilder about being bridge royalty and playing with Danish royalty, what it's like to win after coming back from a 70-imp deficit, and the value of sportsmanship. Plus, he shares his top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz. Hi, partner. How are you, Jocelyn? I'm well, Catherine. How are you? I am very well, thank you. As you know, I am in London for a little while and I dipped my toe into my first bridge club today. I'm so envious. How wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty exciting. So how was it? It was great. I played at the very famous Young Chelsea Bridge Club and people were really nice. And of course, the standard was excellent and people were very impressive. It was it was a really fun and friendly and interesting experience. But what I wanted to tell you about that I found interesting is there was none of the well-done partners or well-played <laughs> partners. There wasn't even a good luck partner. But the thing that there was which I haven't actually really heard before, is well-defended partner. So they didn't say any of the other stuff, but then if they defended well, they'd say well-defended partner. And I, I, you know, observed this from table to table. So clearly that's a bit of a thing, but it actually, I don't know why, it just reminded me, you know, one has all those bridge moments where you can't sleep and you're turning them over in your mind. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it tapped into one of those for me because 
this isn't so much um, a playing or a defending issue, but one of the things I just cannot let go is the last time that you and I were playing in person, it was like brain just went into this (laughs) etiquette flashback weird zone and every time you declared I'd be like good luck partner and then if you make a contract like we're played partner and just shitting me down and it, honestly it wasn't until Jocelyn actually had to say to me what are you doing because as everyone knows we rail against it on the show and it was like I was just a completely different person and all that had gone out the window and I just didn't remember any of it. And I was like back being a beginning player at a club with all the little expressions that we're trying to stamp out. Oh, I and here I was thinking that it was just because I was so incredible that <laughs> you forgot that you really can't say it because you were so overcome with the, the brilliance of my declarer play. Oh, well, excuse me, that goes without saying, though, of course, now we've said it, but absolutely that's true, Jocelyn, and, and therefore it's all your fault. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is, it is funny. You know, we, we're, we're, we can be hypocrites. You know, we can, uh, <laughs> we're allowed. We can say one thing and do another or do the same thing that we rail against. I, you know, we're, we're, we have the prerogative. It just kills me because I was so sincere and you were just giving me this, this look and and once I, I woke up, I said, what? What am I thinking? Yeah, that's funny. Yes. No, I definitely remember that and thinking like, yeah, is this reverse negative psychology? And I really did something horrible and she's trying to tell me, I mean, what is going on here? We don't say that to one another anyway, but apparently we do. And that's fine. Thanks so much for being such a wonderful audience. As you know, Sorry Partner is available for free and it's a labor of love, but it does take a lot of time and effort to put together. If you could help us out, we'd really appreciate it. Donating is easy. You go to sorrypartner.com. You'll see a tab along the top, support the show. And that takes you right to our secure Patreon page. Many of you have contributed already, and we are immensely grateful. If you haven't, we'd really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And now, back to the show. So we've got a number of letters in the mailbag, Jocelyn. Would you like me to share them with you? (laughs) But of course, my dear. All righty. Well, here we go. Our first letter is from Alan in Texas. And the topic of Alan's letter is, Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. (laughs) Yes, it is. Hi, Catherine and Jocelyn. Several years ago, playing in a regional Gold Rush Pairs event, I opened one no trump as dealer with a 16-point balanced hand that included a worthless doubleton in diamonds. My left-hand opponent passed and partner raised to three no trump. Left-hand opponent then plopped down the queen of diamonds as her opening lead. When partner put down the dummy, I suddenly experienced an unpleasant Scooby-Doo moment. She also had a worthless diamond doubleton. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, we were about to go down the tubes big time on this hand. But lo and behold, right-hand opponent laid down the king of diamonds to win the trick. 
She then led back a heart, which I gratefully won and proceeded to scoop up 11 tricks for three no trump plus two. Turns out left-hand opponent had led the queen from an eight-card diamond suit, ace-queen, jack-10, eight times, that felled her partner's singleton king. Had she led the ace of diamonds, she would have rattled off the first eight tricks and I would have been down four instead of up two. And then he puts in parentheses, I have no idea why she did not bid two diamonds over my Wonder Trump opener. Sometimes it is truly better to be lucky than good. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is, Alan. Thank you so much for sharing that story. It's always so gratifying when you have those experiences at the table, isn't it? Like you don't really deserve it, but it feels so nice. Well, yeah. I mean, in a sense, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking about the hand and I'm thinking about why left-hand opponent didn't overcall maybe thinking, hey, I'll really do a number on them with my eight diamonds. Yeah. But of all things, partner has a singleton king. I guess in that situation, you got to play the ace. Got to play the ace. Yeah. Not so well defended partner. <laughs> <laughs> Oy vey. Oy vey. And then the next letter we've heard from Kim in Carlisle, Massachusetts. And Kim is a very well-known bridge teacher but she wanted to share a tip that bob hammond gave her do we drink <laughs> <laughs> yeah here i drink <laughs> it's a different tip to the one that we usually get but it's relevant here because it's about those crazy hands like when you've got those long suits and what have you so she writes i personally received a wise piece of advice from bob once years ago which i sometimes pass on to my students when they send me unusual deals we were at a charity breakfast at an NABC and guests were seated at tables with bridge celebrities who volunteered their presence as the draw of the event. I purchased a ticket and lucked into being seated next to Bob. Towards the end, I worked up my courage to ask him about a wild hand I'd held the day before. I was something like 6-6 six, six in the majors and weak. Naturally, my partner had opened a minor, the opponents interfered, and I had no clue what to do. When I gave the hand to Bob, he said, can I give you some advice? So this is the advice part, the different advice part. Don't worry about what to do on these crazy hands. If you want to be a good player, concentrate on getting the average everyday hands right. That's how you succeed. So I thought that was really interesting. I mean, we've heard this before, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's tempting to, to focus on those outliers or want to develop all sorts of systems to cater to them. But yeah, I think sometimes there's a real value in just locking down the basics and that, that middle ground. If you can make that really solid, kind of like when you work out your core at the gym, uh. it stabilizes everything. <laughs> and that tells you something about my bridge game and my <laughs> attitude to the gym. <laughs> well, that, no, that's, that's really helpful. You just, you just got to do your best on those crazy hands, but don't like spend all your energy and focus on those. Yeah. And and I think there's an element sometimes, I mean, I'm sure people have gadgets and all sorts of clever ways of dealing with it, but sometimes also there's just an element where you've got to wing it and hope it works out. And that's that. Yep. You heard it here. Wing it. <laughs> now to something a bit more serious, Jocelyn, we have also heard from Carl and Carl is curious about our opinion and I'm curious about your opinion. In an online game, the bidding goes one no trump, two clubs stamen response, two diamonds, you know, no major, and then pass by the responder. So it looks like garbage stamen. Mm -hmm. The dummy comes down with two diamonds and seven points, 
And Carl is thinking, great, we've got more Trump than the opponents. But then Declara shows up with five diamonds and they made the contract. Now I'm thinking there's something fishy with that bidding, but my partner who is nicer than me says that it's better to assume they just screwed up rather than something more nefarious. He's not sure. What do we think? I just think that's very odd. I think you'd then bid to, to bid garbage. You'd bid something like two hearts to say, partner, pick your better mm. major. Mm. And then at least you'll end up in a, a four, three fit. Right. I mean, leaving, leaving declare in two diamonds with only two diamond support is just, I've never heard of garbage played that way. Oh no, I don't think it is. I think that's the thing. I think he's saying, you know, he first thought it must be garbage and then saw the hand and it's like, well, obviously it's not garbage. But um, do you think they were playing in the same room or something or someone yelled out from the other end of the house? Pass. Just pass. It's fine. Yeah. So what do we think? Cheating? Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, that would be my strong suspicion. Yeah. 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 Okay, Carl, you're in good company. We say cheaters. <laughs> and then our final letter today, Jocelyn, is from our good friend Mike in Michigan <laughs> who has sent us a limerick. Oh, yay. Thank you, Mike. Well, let's hear it, actually. <laughs> okay, well, Mike's going to read it to you himself. Take it away, Mike. G'day, Catherine and Jocelyn. It's Mike here from Northport, Michigan. I wrote this limerick after your interview with Zach Grossack. Here goes. From high card points, I'll be exempt. I'll open a six-piece preempt. Just following Zach, I'll give it a whack and make bidding for offers the Klimt. Genius. Genius. Genius limerick. Thank you, Mike, from Michigan. That is brilliant. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So if you have any great limericks to rival Mike from Michigan's fabulous limerick, or stories about how opponents felled their own king, yikes, or you felled your partner's king, even more yikes, or something fabulous from Bob Hammond, or a suspected cheating incident. We want to hear about it. So please send them in to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or sorrypartnerpodcast on Instagram or tweet us at sorry underline partner, or you can send us a voice message. These links are in the show notes and on the website at sorrypartner.com along with some other good stuff. Coming up next, our interview with Dennis Builder. And note, this episode comes with bonus audio for our Patreon supporters. Danish champion Dennis Builder grew up in a bridge-playing family. His parents are both champions, so you could say his future was in the stars. At 18, he won the World Junior Team Championship and followed up two years later with a World Junior Individual Championship. He has won six NABC titles with six different partners. In 2017, he was awarded ACBL Player of the Year. And in 2020, he became the youngest ever recipient of the ACBL Sidney H. Lazar Jr. Sportsmanship Award. And Catherine and I were in attendance when he was actually given the award. We began by asking about his earliest memory of Bridge. My earliest memory of Brits is actually the first tournament I played. I'd gone to this weekend course of Brits. It was for youngsters. 
So I went there with a lot of other young players. And the weekend after, there was the Danish school championships, which was under 20. So I went there as a total beginner, and I played with a friend of mine who was also a total beginner. I think I was 11 years old, and we managed to get to the A-final. There was, I think, 30 pairs playing, and the top 15 got to the A-final, and the rest got to We managed to get to the A-final by a miracle. And I remember I knew a couple of the organizers because they were friends of my parents who were in the British community. So after we had gotten to the A-final, I was so excited, and they were like, oh, Dennis, you want to call your parents. I said, yes, I want to call my mom and dad and tell them how I did. So I brought their phone and called home and said, oh, we got to the A-final. And I think we we managed maybe to get second last or last in the A-final, but it was, it was a great experience. The year after I got to the B-final, so it wasn't like I was special. But that's my earliest memory. Do you remember what your parents said when you called them? Absolutely not. I I would think my mom uh, would have said something like, yeah, of course you did, Dennis. You were my little star. But <laughs> I yeah. don't remember. Spoken like a mom. Spoken like a mom, exactly. <laughs> so you took yourself off when you were 11 to this tournament. I'm just wondering if you have any memories even from before you learned to play. Oh, yeah, I actually do. I have quite a funny memory where... My parents, they were playing this match at home. Uh, in Denmark, we have this cup tournament where your team plays another team and it's privately arranged. So they played at our home. It's a team match, so they had two tables. And I, I helped getting the boards from downstairs to upstairs where the two tables were. So after one of the hands, I had to bring the board upstairs and I ran upstairs and I said, Mom, Mom, they made all the tricks. <laughs> and they said no you can't say that <laughs> they thought it was quite funny so was this an annual event that was at your house or was it at your house because so it was it's this is a cup tournament where you where you start with maybe the round of 64 or 128 and if you win a match you go to the next round and all the rounds until the semifinal are arranged privately. So the two teams has to find out when they play and one of the teams is the home team. It's quite a, a nice format. So you meet you meet a lot of other players that you maybe wouldn't meet anyway. Yeah. And is this something that you've played yourself as an adult? Yeah, I, I played it a couple of times. Did you ever end up hosting it? Uh Yes. I did. I'm just curious about the preparation. What did you serve? What? How did you set it up? Well, when I hosted it, I think I was still uh, living at home, so it was easy. <laughs> I told my mom to do something. I, think. I wasn't at <laughs> home. But we had, we had, when we were younger, we had a junior team and we played this tournament. Uh, one time we played and we had to meet a team that was maybe one hour away. And we had I, had, I had chatted to one of the guys on BBO and we agreed to play, well, I think the normal is 40 boards. And we said, okay, we'll play 40 boards. And we agreed to start at one o'clock or so, I thought. So from our place, it took an hour to go there. And we were young, so my, uh, my dad, he would take us. So we went and the guy called me 
And he said, where are you? We're ready to start. I said, we're on our way. Isn't it one o'clock? No, it's 12 o'clock. We agreed oh. 12. And I thought, oh, okay, sorry. I thought it was one we agreed. So he said, okay. I thought it wasn't that problem. I thought, okay, maybe they can wait. We can play eight bot less, eight bots less if that's the thing. But one of the guys on that team, he said, well, he couldn't, he couldn't do it because he had to go to this party afterwards. So we had to cancel the match and our team got, uh, lost the match because it was, I think it was our mistake. I think there was an email saying it was 12 o'clock. Yeah. So the guy on the opposite team who said he didn't want to play, he was kicked off the team afterwards because the rest of the, <laughs> the team, they didn't like, they didn't like that behavior. He played against, we were what, 14, 15 at the time. We were very young. I mean, we could easily have just played a shorter match or played fast. What a spoil sport. Yes, exactly. Are there directors for these small home matches? I think if you need a director, you either call someone or uh, send the thing in and, and they will do it. So we don't have directors at, at our house. I thought you were going to say if you need a director, <laughs> then you're not doing it right. my understanding is that you have a young child is that correct yes i do you do eight months eight months yeah little girl little girl oh that's lovely she's called rose rose and she's um she's amazing (laughs) she really is is she a good bridge player well so far so good she hasn't (laughs) made it made any mistakes i think (laughs) Thinking about your own experience growing up and now being the father of a young child, do you consider how you want her to think about the game and how you want her to understand what it is that you do for a living? Mm, Not yet. To me, it's the most important thing is that I think she's growing up in a safe environment. She will be loved and we will have some good time. I will try and teach her my best way of uh, this life. And at some point, I well, she will obviously know what I'm doing at some point, and I hope she will learn the game. If she wants, I want to teach her. If she doesn't want to do this, we can wait. You've recently been honoured for being a good citizen at the bridge table. <laughs> you know, obviously you're very well regarded in terms of your attitude as well as your skill. You know, how do you think about those sorts of values in terms of your children? I think uh, those values are extremely important, not only at the bread stable, not only in school, but everywhere you go, everywhere, whatever you do in life, I think it's very important to be able to be humble, be open-minded to others, be nice. And I was always taught to treat other people like I wanted them to treat me. I think it's a, a very important life lesson. And I'm definitely going to try and teach my daughter. Was it a lesson that was ever challenging for you? Or was it just drilled from the beginning and there was no no bumps in that road? I think it was uh, pretty drilled from the beginning. But in the way that my parents, they, they didn't tell me you have to do like this. You have to. Be nice. They were just very nice people. I mean, when other people came to our our home, they were received with open arms and smiles and happy and 
sharing things. I mean, it was just a lot of love all around, I would say. So I've basically just learned from what I've seen, I think. And uh, I think some people could learn from it. Many people are good at it. Luckily, more people are good at it than, than not. But it's important life lesson. We spend a fair amount of the podcast talking about annoying things that we encounter at the table. And I'm wondering if, do people behave better when they're playing with you or are they still, the bad behavior continues even even when they're playing against you? My experience is actually that they behave better. So I don't have a lot of bad experiences at the table. There's a few, but I, I don't recall any really, really bad behavior. And I think it's partly to do that I try and be nice to my opponents. And I think that's something, I mean, if, if I play against a very unpleasant uh, opponent, I'm not as nice as if I play against good friends or good sport uh, sportsmen or women. Uh, so I think it's important. I think it, if I do it, they are more likely to do it as well. Is there anything in particular that makes you nervous when you're playing bridge? That's a good question. Um, not really. I mean, the the time I remember best being very nervous. It's always been like a good nervous. I was very nervous before the game, and then when I sit down, it's it's better. It's like I use the nervous energy to play my best, I think. But the time I remember best was in 2008, where I was playing for the Danish junior team for the, in the World Championships. And we had to play the final. And in the final, we played against Poland, who was a very, very strong team. And we played four sets of 16 boards. After the first set, we were leading by 50. And then in set two and three, we lost. So going into the fourth set, we were leading by 15 only. And obviously, that got us all very nervous because we were up by this huge margin. And now it was so close, so... And I was only 18. It was nerve-wracking. I could feel it all the way to my stomach. So before that, before I sat down to play the fourth set, I was extremely nervous. And then when I sat down, I just got into the zone and we played very well. And we won by 50 in the fourth set. So we won comfortably. And I've always thought back on that episode and I think it's helped me moving forward that I know that even when I'm very nervous, when I feel very nervous, I use it as a good thing. So I've, since then, I've not been that nervous, more been excited, I would say, when I sit down. And that you can harness and use to better your, your game. Definitely. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. What's the biggest deficit you've ever come back from? What was it? I was down 65 imps in the round of 16 in the Vanderbilt against the former Monaco team with Helge Moen Hellnes and Fentoni Nunes. It was uh, probably the strongest team at that point. And, well, some of them had some extra tricks in the back. Mm. Later found out. But we were down 65. I was playing with my father and we teamed up with Ryan Sabine, uh, Ryan Welland and Sabine Augen. And we just had a magic set. We played against the top two pairs in the world, basically. And we came back. And actually, we came back a little bit short, we thought. We came back and we were four or five inches short. But there was an appeal from earlier in the match. And it went on until 4 a.m. in the night. And then we got the message that we won the appeal, so we won the match. So we came back from 65 inches to win the match. And we only knew that 4 a.m. in the morning. And then we had to try and sleep. That was not so easy, I can tell you. Yeah, I was going to say, well, you sound <laughs> asleep and they had to wake you up. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was very excited. <laughs> so during that match, were you having to harness your anxiety or were you excited? Do you remember how you felt? Well, I remember after two sets of the match, we were down 95. So we were basically, we had no chance. So we there was a dinner break and we went out had dinner and an extra bottle of wine or champagne. We thought we needed something to help us. I mean, playing bridge with no wine, it didn't help. Down 95. So we had a little beer too and some wine. And we came in just, now we're down 95. There's no pressure at all. Because everybody thought that we lost the match already. So we pick up 30 in in this second last quarter. And we're still down 65. So there's no pressure at all. The only thing I wanted was to play against uh, Helge and Hildes because they were kind of my favorite Brits player when I was younger. So I just wanted to play against them because I loved how they played. And I played against them and they are very fast players and me and my father are also quite fast. So we were finished very much faster than the other table. So after we finished, we talked a little to, to them and Hildes, he said, it's probably quite even the set. And then he started to go through the hands and he said, oh, okay, maybe we lost 10 inches there and we lost 10 inches there and we lost 10 inches there. So I think we had plus 40 or 50 inches on the set. So now we were excited because if our teammates came out and had a good set, we might have a chance to win against this great team. 
And the funny story is, basically, any time Roy comes out from a set, he shakes his head and he says, oh, we have a couple of bad words. And that can mean that he has <laughs> 50 imps in plus, or it can mean that he has 50 imps uh, down. It's a default. It's it, just, I, he, yeah. does, he, he says the same thing every time. Well, we have a couple of bad words. This time, he said, oh, do you have something? We have a couple of good ones. <laughs> so you knew that had to be good. I knew they had something. So we picked it up, everything. And with help from the appeal, we came back to win the match. That was uh, by far the biggest achievement in a single set I've, I've done. Do you remember what the appeal was about? So it was Ryan Sabino played against uh, Helge Mohandes. Okay. And I was Helge Mohandes bit, uh, I don't exactly remember, something like a minor a major tuna trump eighteen nineteen, and they they didn't agree on the on the next bit. Uh, I don't remember if they bit three clubs over tuna trump or what they bit, but they didn't agree what it showed. So on one side of the screen it showed one thing, and the other side it showed another thing. And now they they messed up the most baby defense in the world, but they messed up because they had uh, the wrong information. The thing is, if you look at the hand. You would think, okay, this is three no trump, and even if you've never played bridge before, you will defeat the hand. But they had a point in what, how they defended, got and, it, because uh, they had misinformation. Got it. And it's difficult. I didn't, I didn't really go through the hand. I just hope we would win. So it's four in the morning. You get the news. You've won the appeal. You've won the game. Did you all then get together, or did you just stay in your no, room? No, no. We just. Uh, I think. I think we got a text from Ryan, Ryan Sabine that they had heard that we'd won and we went to sleep and next day we played <laughs> qualifying. But the thing is that after a match like this, even though we were a little bit tired because it was late, there was no way we could lose now because we, we, we won this. Amazing, we had this amazing comeback. Now nothing could stop us. So we, we actually... we went on to win the tournament. And I just had the feeling from that on, you know, from, from the match against Monaco, that there was no one that could stop us now. Yeah, once you get them out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> and the way it happens, <laughs> right? Thinking about all the tournaments you've played and all the different venues, is there a particular tournament that you just really enjoy playing? Yeah, a couple of tournaments I very much enjoy playing. One of them is a tournament in the St. Moritz in Switzerland. It's a very well-known ski uh, area as well. So the tournament there, you play bridge from, I think, 4 o'clock in the afternoon and some uh, 4 or 5 hours. So there's not a lot of bridge. But that means you can go skiing all day and after skiing, have some lunch, and then you can play bridge and then you can have dinner. And it's just, it's not a, it's not a very big tournament, but it's just such a great venue. It's the best venue, I think. I love going skiing. I snowboard, but I, I love it. I've done it since I was four years old. So it's just the perfect tournament for me, I would say, combining probably my two favorite things. Um, another tournament that I really like is the one in Madeira in November. It's also a festival. But the thing I like about the British festivals is that you combine the Brits and the socializing a little bit extra. So, for example, if you go to the Bermuda Bowl to play, that's it's a huge thing. Uh, probably the biggest tournament that a Brits player can 
can play or can have a chance to win, right? You play the world championships and you represent your country doing so. But it's another thing. In there, there you have Brits as the main thing. Brits is the only thing. And you socialize a little bit, but it's a minimum. And I really enjoy when we have these festival tournaments that you you have the socialness as a bit more important thing also. So you play a little less Brits and the level isn't as high, but everybody is just in a good mood. Everybody is happy. You have a drink, you have a good time. And that's very important to me. So I, I enjoy these tournaments a lot. And when you go to a tournament like this and and the venues are also spectacular, I, li- I like that a lot. That sounds lovely. What is maybe one of the more unusual places that you've played bridge? I mean, I've played bridge at the Royal Castle in Denmark. So the Queen of Denmark and her former uh, husband, the Prince Consort of Denmark, play a little bit of bridge. So he used he he died a couple of years ago, but he was the protector of the Danish bridge federation, and he loved to play bridge. So he would sometimes invite some people to come play Brits with him. And I got an invitation at some point. I played with him a couple of times. And one of the times we played at the Royal Castle. And it was was a great experience. I mean, it's obviously to be there. And and the Queen was there. So I, I met the Queen and we had dinner with them. He loved to go hunting as well. So we had one of his catches for dinner. It was funny and he was such a fun and nice guy. Like if you have this uncle that's just humoristic and <laughs> likes life, right? That's, that's, that was a prince consort. He said at the time where we went to the castle to play, he told me this. So I went outside to see the garden. And whenever they step outside, you have this uh, these uh, guards and they have to raise the rifle as a kind of a salute or something, right? And they can't take it down until the prince gives them the sign to take it down. And he said, well, so I always have to give them the sign whenever we do that. But sometimes I kind of forget it <laughs> just to see how, how long they can stand there. <laughs> oh, very good sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he, was a, he was a fun guy. Was there a dress code? Yeah, you had to you had to dress up with the I think a suit and tie or or you have you had to look uh, good. Yeah, and did you go by yourself or did you take a date? No, I went uh, by myself. I went with uh, some other Brits players who were so we were invited to play a team game and have dinner afterwards. Oh, okay, dinner was afterwards. That's very nice. Yes, where you had the. Um... The proceeds of the hunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did you win? Did you beat the prince consort? Well, I played with him. Oh, you were his partner. So we obviously won. Oh, so you obviously yes, won. Okay. Of course we I did. was wondering if you would be inhibited to <laughs> beat the prince consort. No, I would never do that. In his own house. <laughs> I always played with him. Ah, uh, got it. Of course. Okay. What's the funniest thing that's ever happened when you were playing bridge? The funniest thing that's ever happened. That's a tough question. I feel like most of the time I play, I have a lot of fun. So it's difficult to point out, but 
I remember a funny episode. I was in Canberra to play the Australian Brits uh, Congress. I think it's called the Winter something in January. Summer. Ah, summer. Summer in Australia, of course. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, so I played on the Lavazza team and we went there to play this tournament. And it's uh, yeah, great tournament. It's very warm, so it's obviously summer. And we uh, we got to the final. And in the final, we had to play against a team of Pepsi and Justin Lau. And Justin and I uh, were very good friends. So before the final, we went out together. And going out in Australia is uh, great fun, obviously. Everybody is in such a good mood, just having beer, scoring. It was just in the heart of me and Justin. So we went out and we both had this plan, I think, to get the other one a little bit tired so he wouldn't make a top performance the next day, right? <laughs> we thought we, could, we were young, we could do everything. So we ended up going out until very late and... The next morning, we, we come to the table and we sit on the same side of the screen and we look at each other and I don't think any of us uh, had a shower or we, we didn't look <laughs> particularly fresh. But we might have thought, okay, it looks like the plan worked. <laughs> so on the, first, on the first hand, we play and Justin plays four spades. And we play and we play and we play and he thinks and he thinks and he thinks. And in the end, in the three-card ending, I have only two cards left and Justin has four. So we played the whole deal. He had 14 cards, I had 12 cards. And none of us realized oh. <laughs> that's something that never happens. Wow. Wow. So both of us were probably a bit damaged by, by the night before the plan worked from both sides yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit too well maybe a little bit too well yeah. <laughs> is there a hot button issue in bridge that's really important to you um i think to me the most important issue is i really try to tell people to focus on the game of brits don't focus on calling the director. Don't focus on if your opponents are cheating or taking breaks or whatever they're doing. Focus on your own game and play the game as well as you can and as it should be played. I feel that there's too much focus on breaks in tempo, on if someone is unethical and the thing in Brits is that Brits is a mind game. It's it's very difficult. You have to think. You have to figure things out. So it's to me, it's very normal that you think in certain situations. And I feel that the last couple of years, maybe 10 years, that every time someone is thinking, people are just pointing at the guy and, oh, you're thinking. Do you agree that you had a breaking tempo? Before even playing Brits, I mean, play the game first and then... If something unethical happens, okay, you can discuss it after or you can call the director. It's it's fine. But I think people should really try hard to focus on playing the game first because the game is so pure, so clean, so great. I mean, we all love it. Everybody who starts to play Brits and falls in love with it, they play for the rest of their life. 
And that's because of the game, not because of all these surroundings. That's the most important thing to me. So what would your father say is your greatest strength when it comes to your bridge game? He would say my greatest strength is my natural ability to play. It comes quite easy to me. From him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it comes from him for sure. No, but... I don't. I don't use a lot of energy on standard situation. It, it it comes quite easy to me. So I'm good at focusing on using my energy where it has to be used on the difficult spots. Is there any area of your game that you wish would get better? Yes, many. Many. If I had to mention them all, we wouldn't finish now. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I um. I would like to get better in all areas if I can. And I feel that I can always improve. I feel like Wits is uh, one of these games where you can never uh, be perfect. So you can always do something better. So, yeah, I want to improve it all. I don't. I, I haven't thought of that there's a specific part of the game that I could do better in. Maybe on leads, opening leads. I think I make uh, many bad opening leads, and not as many as me. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably more. <laughs> no. When you think about the whole range of bridge skills, what would you say is an underrated bridge skill? To be a good partner, to try and help your partner and understand your partner doing the hand, to not get annoyed with your partner is the first thing to understand his or her way of thinking or way of trying to get their message through to you. So be a a good and understanding partner. I think that's one of the most important parts of Brits. What about overrated skills? Are there any bridge skills that you think are given an unnecessary focus? I think it's overrated that you have to be able to make all kinds of funny squeezes or all these book plays or that you have to play a very complicated system to always, that you always have to get your system notes uh, better or more complicated. I think people, some people at least, they they don't understand that 95% of Brits comes from all these uh, standard situations from understanding the basics of the game. So you don't have to, you don't have to be able to make a squeeze even. I mean, my mom, she, she's been playing on the Danish women's team for a long time. And in 2000, they came third in the Venice Cup in the world championships. So that's a pretty good achievement. And she basically doesn't know how to squeeze. <laughs> yeah, so all these book plays are usually unnecessary. They are beautiful when they come up, but it's rare. Is there a book that you really like that you recommend to people? Mm, it's a difficult topic for me because I have not read many books uh, in Brits. What I did was, when I was young, when I learned the game, I read a lot of these smaller books that presented problems and then the solutions is on the next page. And then I tried to solve all these problems. So I, I, there was 
a book series from, I think maybe it was Kelsey, I'm not sure, but it, it was small books, maybe 50 pages, and it presented specific subjects. So, for example, uh, play with trumps, or I know trumps, or trump control, or squeeze play maybe, but all these different subjects, and it presented them pretty well, explained it well, and then had maybe 30 or 40 problems that you could solve. Uh, that was basically the books that I uh, read. Otherwise, I've read The Bridge Bomb by Alan Sontag. I thought that was a very good book, a very uh, funny book, and it, I can recommend that. There's not a lot of uh, learning words in it, but it's, it's a great book. Do you have a particular motto or catchphrase that you apply when you're playing bridge? Try to enjoy it. Have fun. It's the most important thing for me when I play. I know if I'm not enjoying my time at the table, at the tournament, I'm not playing very well. And if I enjoy it, I play better. So I always tell people to focus on have, on having fun. And having a bottle of wine between rounds. <laughs> or two. <laughs> Do you have a favorite convention that you really like to use? Mm, I think I, it's a very common question to get. This, what's your favorite convention? Uh, and I don't like conventions at all. I I love to play natural bridge. I'm a big I'm a big believer in playing natural. So normally I just say that my favorite convention is Stamen. That's the convention I feel like I use the most. And I think everybody who ever won a World Championship, they, they probably played Stamen and had a lot of good results from that. But I thought a little bit about it. And I actually like not to play support doubles, if that counts as, as a convention. So to not play support doubles is my favorite convention. The double is a Penalty double there or? The double just as a good hand that I haven't got a a good bit. Got it. So extra values. So is there a convention that you really don't like to play besides? Besides support doubles? doubles. (laughs) 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 I don't dislike support doubles. I used to play them as well, but I really like not to play them. Not to play. With my my regular partner. A convention that I don't like a lot is Lebensol, actually. And I don't know why, I just feel like people, they overdo it. They they use it too much in all these situations where it doesn't make sense. So if you've passed a couple of times first and then all of a sudden you can show a good hand or a bad hand. I mean, everybody knows you have a bad hand. So I think people are using it too much. And I think that's why I, I don't like it. So I basically never play it. What's the best bridge tip or advice that you've ever been given? Um, I was giving an advice of being humble towards the game. I was not very old. I was, I think, 15 or 16, and I played this junior uh, championships, a youngster championships, and we didn't do well. And I was supposed to be the best player on the team, I think, and... I don't exactly remember, but I remember when I came home, my dad told me, you have to remember to be humble towards the game. Don't don't take it for granted that you always play well or perfect. Always try and see if you can do better and be open-minded 
So that is the best. It's a very good advice. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great talking to you. Thanks so much. It's been terrific. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. And that's the show. Many thanks to our guest, Dennis Builder. Thank you also to our Sorry Partner Posse of listener supporters who make the show possible. Sorry Partner is produced by Catherine Harris with production assistance from Jade Gray and David Turner. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Starts and produced by Daniel Graboy. Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or send us a voice message and please consider supporting the show. You'll get a monthly newsletter, bonus audio from time to time, and other supporter perks. These links and a link to our discount offers and merch store are under the episode description in your app, on the website at sorrypartner.com, or wherever you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice, or we'll call the director. Until next time, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And remember, as Dennis says, be humble towards the game. Don't take it for granted. Thank you, partner. Thank you, partner. She said humbly. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.